Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a MAR Recovery Resources production from MAR Addiction Treatment Center. I'm Matt Shebb. Now, before we get into our episode today, we've got a special announcement. For those of you familiar with MARS treatment programs or those who've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've definitely heard of our Women's Recovery Center. It was started over 40 years ago, 1979. Going forward, that program is going to be known as Traditions Recovery Center for Women. We picked this name because we believe the word traditions highlights the history of the program. It also points to the tried and true clinical methods implemented in that program that have established Mar as a leader in the addiction treatment field. The name also speaks to our dedication to the 12-step model and our commitment to continue to pass on Mar's legacy to future generations. For our episode today, we're going to hear from an alum from our other women's program, Right Side Up Recovery Center for Women and Children. This program dates back to 2001 and provides treatment for women with their children, as well as individuals. Today, we'll hear from Tina C. She's not only a Right Side Up alum, but she remains extremely involved as the alumni coordinator and a volunteer. Here's Tina C. Uh, it wasn't even necessarily a decision to come here. It was kind of a God thing with me. Um, I had gotten clean one time prior to coming to Right Side Up, and it um, I, I didn't I didn't learn anything in that. Re- I, I feel like I got some recovery, but I didn't even know what recovery was. Mm-hmm. And um, I relapsed on alcohol. I, did, I didn't know that alcohol was something that a drug user such as myself could relapse on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of just like a boss work pressure thing, like you got to drink with the grownups. So I did, and it was a full-blown relapse for me. And... Um, and uh, when I went back to my drug of choice, I, um, you know, I, I went back to jail. That's what I always do. I, I violated 17 years of probation mm-hmm. and uh, went back to jail on new drug charges, uh, completely meaning to stay sober and stay clean. And it just, it didn't happen for me. But um, I was supposed to go to prison uh, the day that they... Uh, ruled for me to come into right side up, but, um, the judge didn't show up and a stand in judge did. And they, I had found right side up and, um, I didn't really know what a rehab was. I, I didn't really know what getting help looked like, but I know that the judge didn't show up and my lawyer was like, let's go ahead and try this judge and see what he says. And he said that I could come in you know, I wanted a chance to work towards something. I didn't want to just sit somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. not getting better or gaining anything. Um, And I was in a situation, I had broken my leg in jail. So um, I definitely didn't want to go to prison in a wheelchair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So you must have been so relieved when that all played out the way it did. Yeah. Yeah. I was relieved. Um, scared. I sure. Was very scared oh yeah. In the sure. It, like it wasn't like all your problems were solved. No. But. No, it wasn't. I didn't know what I was doing. But uh. um, yeah. So, and and the time before when you had tried to get, um, or when you had you had stopped using and drinking, was that just on your own, or were you going to twelve step meetings? Or? No, uh, I didn't. I didn't even know about twelve step meetings. Uh, I went to. <laughs> Uh, I, I got in a lot of trouble. I, I always got in a lot of trouble when I, when I got arrested, I was, um, 
selling drugs. So there was always a lot of charges mm. associated with that. But mm-hmm. that's how I maintained my my drug use. Um, I was sent to Savannah <laughs> to um, – they called it a Christian-based program. There there weren't any meetings and there, there weren't any, like, drug rehabilitation or educational uh, things. It was just we went to church four times a day. And um, I – I wanted it. Like I, I felt like I, I did not want to use drugs anymore. Um, I felt that I was delivered from the addiction. I and I, you know, I was perfectly happy going to church, and I got a job, and I started moving up, and doing, you know, things that I didn't know I could do in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I started to have a really good life before I drank, wow. and I feel like that was. Um, I don't know, something that, that had to happen. I didn't know that it was like a ticking time bomb. How long was that period of, of not using or? About 18 months. Okay. That's yeah. good, a good chunk of time. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing pretty good. Yeah. Life was good. Uh, just didn't know. <laughs> and then so, and then, so you, you drank again, and then how quickly did things kind of spiral from there? Immediately. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was... I've I've never I've never experienced anything like it before. It was an immediate addiction to alcohol. Like I've heard of cross addictions and I've heard of people that say that they don't have like they've been able to drink and stuff, but I was an IV drug user. Um and I I never had a problem with alcohol prior to this and I um I was immediately addicted to alcohol. I didn't I I drank on the boat with the boss and the family, and it went directly to the package store leaving there. And then I I can't even explain, like, how I – it was just an everyday, all-day thing until I was – and I started blacking out. It was mm-hmm. just horrible. Um, but I couldn't stop. I went to the hospital. They said they couldn't help me. I yeah. didn't know what to do. Wow. I was on probation, uh-huh. um, and I uh, – you know, I was just trying to make a life for myself in Savannah. Um, I, you know, I was reporting to probation. I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do. And um, I, I got married uh, to an alcoholic. Uh, I didn't know that he was alcoholic, too. It was just – it was very abusive relationship. And um, the alcohol abuse I was I was a heavy everyday drinker all day every day. I would hear things if I didn't drink. I would the anxiety was unbearable and I was blacking out. It, it was like there was no winning. Like there was no level medium. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I I ended up blacking out and driving it's kind of a hor- embarrassing story, but I ended up driving on my son's birthday. Like I, in my head, I was going to get a birthday cake. I blacked out and drove to Brunswick and got arrested. Um, I, I had like, my truck had rolled into the back of someone's car and I, that's where I came to. Uh, and I had to call my parents. I moved, I moved back here. Um, so I had to leave my job and my house and, you know, everything that I had built up in Savannah because my, um, my addiction had gotten so bad. So I came back down here and that's, um, the abusive relationship is what, when I, when I picked back up my drug of choice, um, it's kind of crazy how, <laughs> uh, it works. Cause I, I know it's available to us when we get to that point where we will pick back up, the drug will be there. 
like it's it it's just crazy how it happened. Like I had a really abusive relationship. I was working at a hotel down here. Um and he my husband at the time had had beat me really badly, like really badly. Um and uh went to jail and I went to work and I was just black and blue and bloody and you know, I had to go back to work. I, I couldn't stay out any longer and somebody in the housekeeping department was like, "Yeah, you look like you really need a line." And uh, I did it, and I was back to my old life by the end of the week. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Had you done a lot of jail time before? I did that? a lot of jail time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do any prison time, and that that's by the grace of God Yeah. <laughs> because I, I probably should have. I know people that have done a lot of prison for a lot less, mm-hmm. um, but I, I just— I don't know. I, I actually had somebody visit me at the jail and tell me that God had different plans for me. He said God sent him to tell me that he had more important things for me to do than spend the rest of my life in prison. And wow. I kind of have carried that with me ever since. Wow. So you're you're in the court. Fortunately, the judge that was supposed to be there doesn't show up. Stand-in judge agrees to let you come to right side up. Um do you have any? Are there any kids in the equation at this point? Yeah, I have a son. Okay, uh, I have a son. He um, initially we wanted him to be able to come with me, um, but every time things would start working in that direction, like it would end up not working out for him to come with me. So he stayed with my parents. Okay, gotcha. While I was in treatment. Okay. Yeah. And so, what was that day like getting here? Do you remember that day? I do. Um, my high school best friend brought me. Um, she was kind of helping me keep my mind right before I before I got into treatment. I didn't really know. Um, I just couldn't live where I was living anymore. Um, you know, I was scared. She she brought me here. Uh, I still had a, I still had you know the cast on. I still had the the boot. Um, and so we went to see the orthopedic to make sure it was okay. And, you know, they let me come in because my probation officer, if they wouldn't have let me come in when they did, they were actually going to send me to prison anyways because I was supposed to leave jail to treatment. But the breaking the bones in my foot, um, they they wouldn't let me into the program either. So I was kind of in limbo. Um, but they they ended up letting me come in. And so she gets you here. How are you feeling terrified I was just terrified I don't I didn't um it wasn't until I was a few months into the program um you know they 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 do a lot of um I guess counseling and they you know they they take you to see a psychiatrist to see um you know where you're at mentally and things like that and I I needed professional help um and I, I really, my anxiety was just out of control. I wasn't, I wasn't managing my mental health very well at all. But I, I think that things got better after um, I was able to see a psychiatrist and able to see therapists and, you know, work on my mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so on, on that first day, you, did you do an interview here or had you already done it? before I did it here okay I did it here um and then they they let you in they do they 
transport you to the apartments? Yeah. Yeah, they took us down there. I met, um, I try to remember their name, Miss Jaquana, I think, was over the program when I was there. Uh, there was a director before her that um, wasn't there for too long, but they they took us, they, they took me over there. Yeah, and it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you, you kind of get oriented, you meet the other ladies that you're living with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean... I had a I had a, a several different roommates when I first got there and I was in such a panic like I honestly can't recall too much besides yeah. people telling me to calm down it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um so I had one really good roommate. I remember Miss Lisa. Miss Lisa was a a big advocate of mine. She was very encouraging and my roommate Vesta at the time. She was also very encouraging. Um so yeah, just hung in there until things got better. So then you start it, at that point uh, pretty early on, you start doing the classes and all that. Yeah, thank God. You know, that, that I think that was the sanity in it for me was being able to sit down in the classroom and talk about things that I had never heard anything about before. Um, just different coping skills and, you know, learning about the disease, like learning that it was a disease, you know, that there was something that I would, you know, wasn't well. It was like, I don't know. It was like I had never, it just never occurred to me that it was a disease. It never occurred to me that there were things that I could do in place of the things that I had been doing. I didn't, I didn't know that, I didn't know that there was help. (laughs) I didn't know that there was a help. I didn't know that there was a way to change because I had been on drugs since I was 14 years old. Like I honestly, like coping wasn't something that I did, Um, not to mention finding out that I had, there were things that I was using. I was using drugs to cope with my mental health issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I grew up in an alcoholic abusive household. Like I, I thought that that's how you dealt with things. I really had no idea that I was doing 99% of the things that I was doing. It just was, it was, it was mind blowing. Mm Um, I just wanted to understand, and I think that I was overwhelming myself with wanting it all right away. Like, I need to know, like, I have to be okay. Like, you have to tell me how to be okay. And, um, yeah, they did. And you're going to meetings, of course. Mm -hmm. How's How is that environment for you? Well, uh, that is really good. Uh, The meetings, uh, the classes took a little while for me to put the pieces together because I just wanted to understand everything all at once. And I thought, you know, you're getting a little bit at a time. The meetings were amazing. Uh, I had never heard of 12 step. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. Uh, I remember the first meeting that we went to was an AA meeting. And I remember feeling like, (laughs) it's kind of funny. I remember feeling like the love that was in that room was the love that I had learned about in the Bible. Like I felt like that was the first church that I ever really went to. I was like, okay, this is, this is church. Like this is where, you know, people are acting out the principles that you learn in the Bible. And uh, so it was almost like a religious experience Mm -hmm. for me. It was awesome. Um, I am, uh, I do H and I now. Uh, the hospitals and institutions meetings with Narcotics Anonymous. Okay. I kind of found my home there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just fell into the crowd that I yeah. feel like I've, I've, I feel like I've known them my whole life. They're they're definitely my family now. Um, but it took a long time for me. It's, I didn't speak at meetings for years. Um, I I had a lot of I had a very hard time connecting with people. I had a really hard time um, getting past my anxieties. Um, but 
they're so welcoming and they're so forgiving of the huge blunders that I felt like I was making and you know the just keep coming back and there were other girls that just kept coming back for so long that that's really that was all I could do in the beginning uh now you know now it's a little bit different mm-hmm. yeah and so meanwhile at right side up are you um seeing an individual counselor I was um I actually saw all the counselors. <laughs> um, they, they, you know, it's really hard to describe my experience there because I, I was a mess. Um, but everybody was very encouraging. Yeah, and um, they helped me get through it. Yeah. I was just so afraid of being kicked out. Like yeah. my hugest fear was being kicked out and going to prison because I was mandated to prison if I didn't complete the program. And I knew I could get better if I could just get past it, but mm-hmm. it was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming for me. Were there moments that you felt close to getting kicked out? Yeah, there was a few actually. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't follow the rules or anything like that because that's that's what I wanted. I, I would not break the rules. I wouldn't dare to deviate I would not let anybody deviate in front of me like Mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't going to go to prison because of something that I did um but I had the issues with my um with my foot you know all of the bones on the right side of my foot were broken and I um they felt like I would I needed to be medically discharged for um for um physical therapy um and there was another time i you know, something else happened on one of the jobs that I had um, where someone stole some money out of my register. Um, it was like the first job that I had while I was there. And, I, you know, I was so scared. Um, but they believed me. They knew it wasn't me. Um, and uh, I ended up getting another job. And uh, I didn't, the felon box, like I didn't mark the felon box. And I told on myself, I, you know, I was like, I was so scared. I knew I needed to get a job in two weeks. And I, so I didn't even mark the felon box. I don't think they're going to check. And they were like, oh my God, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you get fired yeah. because of that, you're going to be discharged. And I, you know, it just was what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made it through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what was it like going back and working, you know, like getting a just that just getting a job was that tough yeah it was um I mean it was hard to it hurt to walk yeah (laughs) but um and it was a job that on you were on your feet all day um but yeah it was it was very hard I said the serenity prayer a lot in that that six months (laughs) yeah it was very difficult I think that's a big fear that I hear a lot from people it's just like I'm there's no way I'm going to be able to get a job like with my record you know yeah um mine I I have a 14 page background um Mm. and you know when you're on you're on probation and you're looking at prison and you know (laughs) you're you're out on like a prayer uh I, I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to get a job. So I took like, I worked at value village that it's like they would hire anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after I lost that job, I lost the job that would hire anybody, <laughs> you know? And, um, not only that thinking I'm going to go to prison for somebody stealing money out of my register. It was, it was crazy. Uh, and then I did, I found another job though. And, um, they were great. And I ended up sharing with them about my past. So mm-hmm. I didn't check the box, but I told them. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, that they were really giving me a chance and that I appreciated it. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and what is going on? Like, are you able to kind of talk about, cause that, you know, that there's a lot of stressful incidents that you have to go through that you just described. Are yeah. you, are you able to talk about that with the, your, the people you're in treatment with or with your counselor? Was there like structure there to kind of help you through that? They were very good about encouraging me because I, I was I was beating myself up so bad. Like it, all I really needed was encouragement. That's really all they could give me. They're like, "You're okay. You're doing okay." And um, it was it was really hard, but they were they were very encouraging. And what about the other uh, ladies there that you're with? Um. I'm still friends with several of them. Wow. They're, you know, they're like my sisters. I can't even explain it. Being having alumni sisters, even some of the sisters that that didn't graduate from the program, we're still very much in touch with one another and in support of one another. So it's like you don't. It's not something you lose. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. I think that's a, another key thing that I get from talking to people that have come through Right Side Up is just that strong sense of like you're still in it and it's still available for you there definitely years after as yeah. as involved as you want to be yeah i mean it, it, whether you are or whether you're not you know you know you know we're here you know we're here for you like there is nothing like the struggle of trying to get clean and stay clean and the bonds that you make in those the weakest moments of your life where you just don't even know how to live and you're living off of people telling you it's okay, you're doing it, you know, it, it just creates a bond like nothing else. Like it's, it's not even something that I could explain. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, I just know that I'm there for them and I know that they're there for me. So it took a little while for what they were telling me to catch up with me. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're there and you're experiencing it, but I have, I have struggled, um, with my mental health so much. Um, and I didn't even know it was a struggle when I was using, um, when I was using, I never really used to get high. I always used to maintain, like I just wanted to maintain a certain level of understanding the world around me. And that was it. You know, I never wanted to get high and I never wanted to come down. Um, my doctors have later told me that I was self-medicating, um, for the mental health issues that I have. But, um, they right side up gave me things that I didn't know that I was missing. They gave me all the missing pieces of the puzzle. And it's like, they just stayed a little jumbled up for me. I couldn't slow my thoughts. I'm constantly panicking. I'm having, you know, anxiety attacks. Uh, I, I am terrified, you know, of, of not completing the program. And at the same time, they're giving me everything that I need. And it just took me a little while, I think longer than some, to put the pieces together. Yeah. It came as you needed it. They gave you the tools, um, but you have to kind of learn how to use them. And it was a little tricky for me. Sure. Yeah. And so, so some of that stuff starts to click after you. Yeah. After you leave. Yeah. I mean, because it's, you get into these situations and you're like, okay, this is terrible. Like somebody just stole all the money out of my register at work, you know, and you know, what kind of, 
what kind of person am I? I don't even want to use, you know? And I'm thinking there's something wrong with me because, like, what kind of drug addict am I? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even want to use through this. But you have all this love and support and these people that are telling you that you can get through anything and that you can do this. And they're they're right. And you just don't know it until the circumstances, <laughs> you know, come to pass that you, you need, you know, that encouragement through. So, yeah. I just didn't know what was on the other side of it. Right. You know, I had no idea what a sane, you know, <laughs> productive me looked like. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the life that I could could be leading. Mm-hmm. I definitely couldn't have prayed this life into existence. There's nothing I couldn't have asked for this. I didn't. I didn't even know how. Yeah. Even though you didn't come into treatment with your son here, like a lot of a lot of. Um, the right side up clients come with their kids. Mm-hmm. Were you still um, uh, at least talking about it or engaging with that possibility of reunification, or or how'd that work with TCC? Did you have any interaction with the therapeutic childcare, or was that just kind of not, not a part lot. of it? My son, my son was a little bit older, um, uh-huh. and he was right on the cusp of not of being too old mm. to come in. But we had. Um, you know, I've used for most of his life. So we had, um, we, I don't really know how to explain it. Miss Elisa was, she was also, she was a therapist to me while I was there, you know, uh, on my issues, not necessarily between me and my child. Like my heart was broken, obviously, because I couldn't be the mother that I wanted to be. But she was also very encouraging. And there's, (laughs) there wasn't a lot of help for me. I was just really freaking out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were great. Um, and she helped me later with my son when mm-hmm. I got my son back after I had left the program. When you got him back, was he was sixteen? He was sixteen. How so? How was that? It was good, um, but it it was difficult. I wish, I wish that I could have had him in the program so that I could have um, learned a little bit more about coping as a parent. But you know, by that time, I had. Um, I had people in the program Mm -hmm. uh, to help me. So I had mother figures and father figures and, you know, people that would, um, you know, uncle figures, people that would hang out with my son and, you know, kind of explain to me, you know, you're not having a nervous breakdown. This is just parenting. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing that made me want to use again. Mm. Yeah. I I didn't want to use up until the point where um, I didn't know how to uh, cope in that relationship. And then I, then I, the urge was back. <laughs> How did you get through that? Other alumni, other right side up alumni uh, that had already done that. You know, just them telling me that this is normal. I'm like, okay, is this normal? Like, what's going on? Am I going? Am I going to relapse now? Like, is this it? Like, but it, it wasn't like that. It was just learning to cope and having um, having women that had already been through this process that were supporting me. This is another thing that helped me a lot um, was that we had an alumni that came back. um, And it was like that for me, it was like that missing link. Like everything that she did was just mystifying to me. Like, you know, I just wanted to know everything that she did so that I could do it, too. Like what what things Um, that she did? Doing life outside of the program. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you're not here anymore, but you're still clean and you're living and working on the outside, raising a child. And that... I don't know. That was just like 
that was mind blowing to me. I didn't understand how it could be done, mm -hmm. uh, especially with a background like mine. Like I didn't see me being able to be successful um, in the real world with a 14 page background and, you know, uh, 21 years of probation and you know, no license. Like I didn't know how it could be done. Like, how can I take care of my son too? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I be a mom? How can I, you know, afford to live in Atlanta. <laughs> um, so, but she was doing it. She was doing it and she was coming back and she was encouraging us and she was telling us, you know, about her struggles. And it was, um, it's what I needed to hear. Uh, and it's, it's what all the other girls needed to hear. That's what we clung to. Jasmine, you know, she, she is definitely my recovery hero. She is the person that came back and held out her hand. Um, I don't know where I would be without her. Uh, so when I finished the program, um, I, I know that as hard as it was, and mostly, you know, because of me, but as hard as it was for me to get through it, I didn't want other people struggling through those same things. You know, I just wanted to be able to come back and tell them, like, tell them how I had done it so that, you know, they could grab onto what they needed to be successful after. So Jasmine... Uh, I think it was, it was before I even had a car, like I was having people in the program, like drive me down and drop me off around the corner so that I could, you know, run down there and do the meetings. Mm -hmm. And it was just, that was my recovery for quite some time. So what would you, if you could pass on something to people who are listening, what would it be? If I could pass it on, I would say just keep coming back, you know, no matter what. Like, it, it doesn't matter if you have fallen off, just come back. Like, you're going to be welcomed with open arms. You know, God is always available to you if you if you reach out. Um, he responds with open arms. So we, we, you know, the whole prodigal son is is true. You know, if you need help, just reach out. We're here. We're not going anywhere, so, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Tina. Yeah. This has been really cool just getting to know you and, and hearing your story. I yeah. appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for listening to Stories of Recovery, a Mar Recovery Resources production. I'm Matt Shedd. The executive producer for our show is David Tate. And Angela Edmonds is the associate producer. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.